Guns and country, right? We know that, and you know that. But where else do you go to get the news and conservative perspective without all the bullshit? Well, I'll tell you right here. This is the Done Right Podcast. Flying the conservative flag high. No, not that kind of high. Getting to the root of today's hard issues instead of tiptoeing around them. We're tired of the tiptoeing, tip-tippity-tiptoeing, keeping it real. This is the Done Right Podcast, and here's your host, James Dunn. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Done Right Podcast. Today, we have a very, very, very important episode. I think it is very important for us to cover. Um, Today, we will be talking about the George Floyd case. It has been a hot button issue in the media for almost a year down. And we are now finally getting into the opening arguments, into the meat and potatoes of the trial. Um, Today, we're going to be breaking down what the charges are, what is going on, what was reasonable doubt, everything, all the legal terms, and honestly, why I believe Derek Chauvin will, will, will walk not whether or not I believe he should walk, but why I believe he may walk away from this. Um, the the really important thing to remember in this is that this case has definitely become politicized by uh, the left the the left media because this has been the 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 keystone case to point out their narrative of white supremacy and police brutality. And all these issues um, that they've been talking about with Black Lives Matter, this has been the the keystone cornerstone case, and this is this is going to be a catch twenty two. If conservatives believe that in any way that they will be coming out of this with any type of hope or any type of reconciliation um, in race relations, you're wrong. Um, I'm already starting to see the preliminary arguments of people talking about this case. If George Floyd's, um, well, if Darren Chauvin is convicted, this proves her case that there is racism in the police force. There is systemic racism and that the United States is a racist country despite bringing justice supposedly to Derek Chauvin. And if Derek Chauvin is uh, found not guilty, this only proves that there's racism within the system. And so there will be no reconciliation for race relations. There is a lot of people who are using this case uh, to bolster their platforms, which I find absolutely fucking sick um, and have fanned the flames of of this case um, beyond any uh, ability to reasonably discuss this case. And I think um, for those of you who are interested and not really interested in getting to into the politics of the case, but just the meat, potatoes, the logistics of what's going on, I think there is some a lot of different um, arguments that are not being brought up in the media. There's a lot of different information that is not being brought up. It might be brought up by the defense. We will see later on. But I, um, after seeing this evidence, I believe. Derek Chauvin is going to walk. Now, do I believe 
that he is uh, absent of all guilt or um, that he did nothing wrong. No, I am just saying that there is a lot of things that could happen in this case. And I think we're going to, we're going to talk a lot about it today of what could happen. But first, uh, before we get started, if you haven't already, make sure you like, subscribe, uh, share this, this podcast, leave a comment below. What do you think about this George Floyd case? Um, comment before and then reply to your own comment. Does, uh, what we say in this podcast change your mind, um, in any way? Does it make you think of something else? Does it make you, um, more steadfast in your beliefs? Is this something that you already believed before? Um, let me know. This is something that I'm actually interested in having a intellectual conversation with anybody who's wanting it. This isn't supposed to be a deep dive of racial issues. Um, I'm not even going to be talking about racial issues at all within this case. Um, everything that we talked about with the narrative of the Democrat party, that's basically all we're going to talk about, about race. Um, and then we're going to get down into the cold hard facts of this. Um, so first, for those of you guys who are not really familiar with the legal system, um, there's a couple of things that you need to do. Um, as a prosecution, you have to uh, uphold something that's called the burden of proof, right, in a criminal case. And so in Minnesota, I, I've all these definitions are coming from the Minnesota law. So I haven't pulled these definitions from regular, uh, you know, legal libraries or Wikipedia or anything. These are straight from the Minnesota law so that we know exactly what the parameters are. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that when you go into a case, it's sometimes you're playing the, the rules, not necessarily the facts of the case. Um, and you're playing the situation and not necessarily the facts of the case. So somebody can be charged with first degree murder. Um, if they're overcharged, um, they could be found not guilty of first degree murder. doesn't necessarily mean that they are um, guilt free, but they can be found not guilty of first degree murder and they should have been charged with something else. Um, and so we're going to, as you're kind of starting to see of where I'm going with this, um, I think the Minnesota prosecution has really set themselves up for failure um, with this, but we'll, we'll talk about a lot of this more. Um, so first, um, the most important thing is, is reasonable doubt. So Minnesota courts define reasonable doubt or beyond a reasonable doubt. So you have to prove that Derek Chauvin committed a crime beyond a reasonable doubt as such proof as ordinarily prudent men and women would act upon in their most important affairs. A reasonable doubt is not based on reason and common sense. I'm oh, sorry, a reasonable doubt is based on reason and common sense. It does not mean fanciful or capricious doubt. So basically what it's saying is it's not like, a, oh, is there a one in a million shot that this might have happened? Or is there a one in a million shot? Like, is it within reason that this might have actually happened? Um, nor does it mean beyond the possibility of all doubt. So it means that, you know, there could have been something else that happened. But in your reasonable mind, this is what you believe actually happened um, the most and that there is no doubt in your mind um, that anything else happened. So it doesn't mean that there's not a possibility of other things, um, but that beyond your own, I mean, within, within dividing it with its own terms, it's making sure that you believe um, within your own reason that this is the most logical, the most probable thing that happened. Um, so kind of getting into that, 
what is Derek Chauvin charged with? So he is um, charged with uh, second degree unintentional murder. Um, so for this, this is the most serious charge. It, it, it uh, usually have a, a sentence of 10 and a half to 15 years according to sentence guidelines. Um, so in second degree murder, I'm just going to read it directly from the Minnesota statute. Uh, this is 609.19. Um, this is 2020 statutes. So this is what he was charged with. Um, so there's subdivision one, intentional murder, drive-by shootings. Um, so whoever is uh, guilty of murder in the second degree may be sentenced with imprisonment uh, for not more than 40 years. One causes the death of a human being with intent to inf inflict death on that person or another, but without premeditation. So this is your heat of the moment type murder. So guy comes home, he sees his wife cheating on him with another man, sees the man, pulls out his gun and kills him. He didn't think about it. He didn't know it was going to happen. Uh, he saw the flash of red. This is your heat of the moment. Um, you didn't mean, you didn't mean to kill him, but you know, um, you're, this is usually somebody who's blinded by emotion. Um, not thinking things through. Um, so also, uh, this can be, uh, from the from a crime as well so for example um intentional unintentional murder um but like for example if you do a drive-by shooting and it was you meant to harm somebody but you didn't mean to kill that person uh that could also be second degree murder um and then he's also charged with murder in the third degree um so in which it is an act uh, perpetuating eminently uh, dangerous to others and evincing a depraved mind without regard to human life. So this would be an instance where you commit a crime that, or well, you commit an act that it would be deadly and that you do not have any regard um, of who it goes for. So you don't have any intent on a specific person, but you commit an act uh, knowing that it may lead to the death or serious injury of somebody. And if somebody dies in that, that way, um, you can be charged with third degree murder. So for example, if you decide to go on your overpass and start throwing bricks on the highway, um, and it goes into somebody's windshield and it kills them, it causes an accident that kills them. This would be murder in the third degree, or if you're causing a, um, um, an action that might kill somebody. Um, so for example, another example of murder in the third degree, it was, there was a cop who was firing at a sexual assault person. Um, he was extremely ne negligent. He fired across his partner, um, in the line of the victim and ended up killing the victim of the sexual assault. Um, and so he was charged with third degree murder because, he acted without due regard for the safety of others. And although he did not mean to kill the sexual assault victim, it was still murder in the third degree because he was acting recklessly. Right. Um, so he would have to prove like an, uh, egregious negligence or a intent to harm human life, but not necessarily a direct person. Um, so, there's that right and then um 
there's also manslaughter. So there's negligence that causes um, somebody else's death. So you have to show um, basically negligence um, that it wasn't that necessarily that she committed an act to do something, but it's also not responding in the way that somebody should reasonably act in that situation to um, basically uh, render care to somebody or some, and that's your negligence led to that death, right? There is a, 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 a like a, a direct correlation between your action or inaction um, of negligence that led to somebody's death. So why this is important is because for second degree murder, so basically it's going to be really hard because you're going to have to prove motive um, in second degree murder. So you're going to, you're going to have to show that there was an intention to harm George Floyd. Now with this, um, that's going to be very, very, very hard especially second, basically here's where a lot of these issues come into to play here. Um, the Minnesota police department has that knee on the neck procedure for restraint, um, as something that you can do legally as a police officer. And so as a police officer, according to Minnesota law, you are allowed to act with within reasonable force that another officer may use in a similar situation. So basically, um, in a similar situation, what would another cop do in that? And that would be their definition of reasonable force. Um, does it, you know, mitigate the situation? Is that what another cop would do? And so when we're looking at, um, basically the qualified immunity. So basically when we're hearing, um, you know, the immunity of police officers, we're talking about police officers are allowed to act within a certain parameters of their job. And so protecting public safety and their partners and themselves uh, from stopping vehicle or stopping criminals, they are allowed to can use a reasonable amount of force uh, to stop that from happening. So with George Floyd being as large of a man he was and being as erratic as he was, during that t- that case, I'm not saying that's what, you know, the, because of that, this man deserved to die. What I'm saying is because of that and the size of him of the, and these other officers, um, they wanted to make sure that he was basically um, contained because they didn't, they weren't, you weren't able to accurately um, predict what this guy was going on. They had a suspicion that he was under drug use. They were not completely sure what was going on, but we can see that from the case. Okay. And so he was saying consistently, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Right. So at that moment, uh, you, you definitely should have called medical personnel. Right. And so it looks like medical personnel were on the way. So here's another timeline. And another thing that I, I think people have kind of touched on, but I think has been underplayed very, very, very drastically. And it is the toxicology report of George Floyd. Now, want to be fair to both sides, I'm going to give facts, right? 
and what I think of these facts. So fact number one, um, the first autopsy stated the cause of death was uh, cardiopulmonary issues resulting with um, complications in police matters, right? So basically, George Floyd's heart stopped as a result of his run-in with the police. That was what the cause of death was. There was nothing on asphyxiation, right? So the first health inspector, the autopsy, the official autopsy for the state of Minnesota does not state asphyxiation within its cause of death, right? And then it didn't, it said that there was no evidence to show that within the cause of death. The Floyd family also paid for an autopsy in which they got something that said that asphyxiation was the cause of death. So there is already conflicting autopsy reports. So when we're going back to this, this alone, there is a reasonable doubt already. We haven't even gotten into arguments of what, you know, uh, Derek Chauvin can or cannot do. There is already a reasonable doubt within conflicting autopsy reports. And I think that's something really important that we need to talk about. And it seems like people just keep quoting the Floyd family autopsy report over and over and over again. But, and we have basically thrown out the Minnesota one because of this narrative that we have that George Floyd's was killed by Derek Chauvin with his knee on the neck. Now, with that, there is also conflicting reports within the medical report of, or conflicting statements within the medical report that are also giving a reasonable doubt in the jury's mind, right? These are things that are going in my mind. If I'm sitting on this jury, these are things that are going through my mind. We haven't even heard any opening arguments yet, but fentanyl was found in George Floyd's system. Now we always heard, oh, okay, well, fentanyl was in the system, and you know he was doing fine, and he didn't he didn't pass away until the the police um took him in and you know stepped on his knee, and that's what what killed him, right? Eight and a half minutes. So the normal. We, we keep hearing this, a normal person can hold their breath or, you know, be at a uh, lower level of oxygen for five minutes. And Derek Chauvin had his knee on George Floyd for nine minutes and 15 seconds or something like that. So here's where the the evidence, I guess, is very important. So there was George so I had to do a huge deep dive into this and I went down a huge, a huge rabbit hole with this. Um, but Newsweek, so this is what I could find according to the documents. Uh, Floyd had 11 um, nanograms per milliliter of fentanyl in his blood. 11, right? And it also found that Floyd had a heavy heart, which had at least one artery that was approximately 75% clogged. So in that report, 
Baker told investigators if Floyd were found dead at his home or in no other apparent causes, this would be acceptable to be called an overdose death with death levels certified over three. This is a fatal level of fentanyl under normal circumstances. Okay. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, he took a fatal amount of fentanyl possibly, right? That's what I took, took from it is like, okay, he could, you know, under normal circumstances and nothing else happened, there might've been complications in the fentanyl use. And so that might've killed him. Right. And so for the last year, that's something that I've been just sitting on. Right. Well, for what I was looking further and further into this. So this is from the Mayo clinic and it's, exercise and opioids, what to know, what to do before you work out, right? So if you're doing cardiovascular disease, you have, you know, uh, cardiovascular fitness, these are things that you should be worried about, right? So changes in your heart rate and rhythm. Some people find that their heart rates beat more slowly and irregularly on opioid medications. These changes make it harder, comfortable or dangerous to exercise while taking opioids. It also causes breathing trouble. Opioid medications suppress your ability to cough. So if you have allergies or bothered by sinus drainage, you might feel more congestion in your chest. Your body is less able to cough out matters out of your lung and your throat. So why this is important is because the fluid that was found in George Floyd's lungs, they were four times the heavy, uh, the four times the regular amount or weight of of lungs um under a normal autopsy four times the weight because they were filled up with so much fluid so the opioid use any fluid that he had in his lungs because it restricts your ability to cough i could see why the man was saying i can't breathe four times the fluid but that alone right the party the cardiopulmonary issues that alone I look even, so why this is dangerous, right? So, you know, you fill up with fluid, you are trying to ex you expel toxins in your body as you're exercising, whether it be carbon dioxide or whatever, your opioids restrict your ability to remove those toxins from your body and it slows everything down. So looking further into this, it said that, um, Sorry. Looking further into this, um, I found that fentanyl usually lasts about five to 48 hours in the blood, five to 48 hours. So hypothetically, if George Floyd had a huge bag of fentanyl in his, his car, when he got pulled over, he swallowed it. I did a time lapse from the 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 body cam footage from the beginning of the the stop to the minute of his cardiac arrest. There was about fifty minutes of in between of processing time of fentanyl. So whatever he took at minute one was, if he had been a regular user probably about 25% at 
had already gone through his body, right? Hypothetically, right? Maybe we'll say 15% had probably already gone through his body due to just normal metabolism of fentanyl. Now, this is where it's super important. The lethal dose of fentanyl is two milligrams. The recommended serum concentration for fentanyl is one to two nanograms per millimeter mil, milliliter in your blood. For anesthesia, it's 10 to 20 uh, nanograms for, uh, per milliliter um, with nothing else in your body. So that's why you, why you have to fast, not take any other medications. Let your doctor know what's going on every time you go into surgery. Blood concentrations of seven nanograms or of a milliliter, that's a lethal, do, a lethal dose, right? They can cause a lethal dose, not under the right medical situation. Now, going back to the beginning, George Floyd had 11 nanograms per milliliter after 50 minutes of metabolism in his body. And I don't know how much longer your body continues to metabolize things after your death. So that's just basic calculations. The 50 minutes that we're saying, worst case scenario, he took the fentanyl, all the fentanyl, right at the beginning of the, I'm saying reasonably, um, he got stopped. He took all this, this fentanyl, trying to get rid of the evidence. And by ingesting it, um, because he was already under suspicion of trying to counterfeit a $20 bill. And 50 minutes later, he still had almost 40% higher than the lethal dosage of fentanyl in his system. And so this isn't based off of Oh, well, George Floyd's a bigger guy, so it's going to take a lot more to bring him down. This is percentage in your blood. He had 40% higher than a lethal limit of fentanyl in his system 50 minutes after ingestion. So about one-fifth of the, or one, what, one-fifth of the time it takes to metabolize it, he still had 40%. So I will never know how much he actually took and how much metabolized in his system, but he had one, about 40% more in his system. So with that, it causes slow breathing, heart problems, as we saw with the exercise. So this man took something that you're not supposed to take while exercising and it's so dangerous that you can't take it during regular exercise that all of a sudden he becomes excited, right? And it's not excited as in, oh, like he was happy to be pulled over by the police. Even me, as a normal, regular guy, when the police come over and they pull me over for speeding, automatically you get that rush of adrenaline into your system. Your heart rate goes up. So... His body's processing, and he's trying to process all these drugs with a high heart rate, which was extremely dangerous for him, without the ability to get rid of these toxins in his system because a symptom or a, a, a 
an action or a, I guess a, um, a side effect of these drugs is that it dampens your, your ability to get rid of toxins out of your system and still ended up with 40% higher fentanyl overdose in his system and with conflicting autopsy reports saying one said of, of, of asphyxiation sorry one saying of, of asphyxiation and the other saying that um one was caused by cardiac arrest it's going to be it's going to be really hard to prove that negligent actions were taken by Derek Chauvin or even purposeful actions that caused one of those two things because the judge is going to have to take throw out one of them and or the prosecution is going to have to throw out either to for the prosecution to take George Floyd's um autopsy on merit he will have to throw away his own his own autopsy and that will open up a huge door for the defense to cause a reasonable doubt that within their own investigation of this claim they've caused reasonable doubt that this is the actual true nature of the death of George Floyd and so I know a lot of people are like, well, watch the tape, watch the tape, watch the tape, watch the tape, watch the tape. For me, this is my background as an EMT. Sometimes what you see and what is happening are two completely different things, especially within the body. That's why they have, you have such rigorous training on medical things to notice adverse side effects early or adverse trends early so that you can pre-diagnose certain situations and then eliminate possibilities so that way when that person gets to the hospital you're able to go through those those treatments quicker to help save that person's life now there is a lot of of facts conflicting facts that are even just provided by prosecutorial evidence right like just the evidence brought to you by the prosecution that state that there they may not know how George Floyd died yet they are prosecuting somebody as if they do know so you have to take a, a person who might be sitting on this jury and think is there a reasonable doubt and i think after listening to this right on any of these charges so second degree murder do we believe that Derek Chauvin angrily in the heat of the moment meant to kill George Floyd? Third degree murder. Did Derek Chauvin act outside of his police use of force, which he didn't. It's in, it was within his handbook. So you can agree or disagree on whether or not that should be in the handbook. And it's out of the handbook now. So obviously Minnesota says, well, yeah, we probably shouldn't do that no more. But at the time of the committing of the crime, he was within his police standards, whether or not you agreed with them or not. And that's what, that's what he's being charged with is his actions and the laws at the time of the crime.
or did Derek Chauvin act in negligence? So was he aware of the fentanyl in his system and his actions were causing adverse effects on uh, George Floyd? So you might see, at best, you might see manslaughter out of this case. At best, you might see manslaughter. At worst, you you're probably you're you're probably looking you're probably looking at an acquittal. And not because this isn't saying that Derek Chauvin did everything right. Sometimes what is right and what the law is are two completely different things. So there's a lot to think about, a lot to unwrap, a lot of things that will um, be coming out as, as this comes along. I'm sure there's a lot more evidence that we're unaware of. But uh, tell me what you guys think. Go in the comments. Tell me, does this change your mind at all? Do you believe without, beyond a reasonable doubt that George Floyd, not if the law is right, but beyond a reasonable doubt is guilty of breaking the law? Or Sorry, not George Floyd, Derek Chauvin. Do you believe without a reasonable doubt, beyond a reasonable doubt, that he was breaking the law? So comment below. Give us a like. Give us a share. Um, I'm really curious to see where everybody is. And uh, we'll see what happens with this case. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you liked it. Uh, this is something that I normally don't do, deep dives and, and case studies. Um, but this is something that kind of is within my expertise as an emergency medical technician. So I thought this was something really interesting and something that really caught my eye that I felt like nobody was really covering. I know a lot of people were talking about, oh, well, he was rolling on, on fentanyl. And I've seen a lot of people rolling on fentanyl before and seen them live before. But um, it was it, a lot of these details were very eye opening to me. And looking into this, um, let me know. And if you want to see my sources, I can send me a DM and I will send you everything that I have. Uh, I've saved everything in a particular window um, and I'll give it out to you guys. Uh, thanks for for stopping in guys make sure you follow subscribe leave a review leave a comment below um tell me what you guys think and honestly just want to have an open discussion about this um not about race but rather the facts of the case and you can have an argument about whether or not the race thing after but whether or not uh, the facts of the case that's that's what we're here to argue today or discuss and have an open discussion about and maybe we can have some clarity and understanding about this and if I'm wrong about this, uh, leave me something below too. If you've got something, I'll, I'd love to have a conversation about this. This is very interesting to me. So uh, thanks for stopping by, guys, and we'll see you again tomorrow.